cleaning out our garage the other day. Uh, I'm finally sort of, uh, this is my, the last on my long pandemic list of to-dos, and I'm cleaning out the garage. <laughs> and I come across a box, and I don't know if you guys have this kind of box in your house, but it's a box of gi- like potential gifts. Does that make sense? Like oh, that, that you're going to give to somebody else? Yeah, well, yeah, but like it's also like, oh, no, there's a birthday party. We forgot about it, but it's today. So And they have a five-year-old, so here's a Lego set or something. Yeah, you know, like yeah, a, yeah. a t- five, ten-dollar Lego set, whatever it is. Anyway, amongst this box of potential gifts, I don't know where this came from. There's a, uh, a cheap set of erotic dice still in the package. <laughs> erotic? Wait a minute. What if you're going off to this five-year-old's birthday no, party no, and you grab, and you grab the wrong box by mistake? I, it's, it's, it's gifts for all ages. Like, there's wine cubbies and stuff like that. Anyway, it's just a cardboard box. Anyway, uh, so I, I find that I bring the... I bring the erotic dice into the house laughingly, and I'm like, I said, Glow, you know what someone needs to make? Yeah. Is erotic dice for long married couples. <laughs> like, not not your standard erotic dice of, you know, yeah. like, massage shoulder or whatever, you right, know, whatever right. the, the, the oh, thing man. might be. Boy, Dave, your erotic dice are really erotic. Massage <laughs> shoulder. That's as spicy as you can get for erotic dice? Massage shoulder? Let a prude, let a prude tell a story for God's sake. So I, uh, I, I was thinking like, the, but uh, for like, you've been married for uh, how many years have you been married? Brad? Twenty-two as of a couple days ago. Uh, and as a matter of fact, remember uh, the show? It was Saturday. Our uh, anniversary was, and we and and we did the. Uh, the Patreon release on Saturday, and during that, I said that Wacom One was my one. Uh, I said those words, and she heard them on the day of our wedding anniversary. And I got a text as she was listening to the show. So the Wacom One is your one. Is that is that what this, this is? I have to hear this on my anniversary. I'm glad that the sponsorship is ruining your marriage. That's great. Yeah, but 22 years as of a couple days ago. Uh, so I would, but for me though, I'm at 19. You're at yeah. 22. 22. Uh, I'm coming up on 20, by the way. So which is kind of fun. That's how uh, 19 works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God bless America. Let me have a second to tell a story, for God's sake. Brad's Brad's riding me like Buckaroo Bonsai today. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so, uh, I, but the, for me, the idea of erotic dice for a long married couple—I, honest to God, Brad, not even joking—I think you could make this as a joke product. Oh my gosh! And yes. sell it. Like, I could see, it doesn't work at my Comic-Con booth, like, because people be like, oh, Sheldon, look at these cute, oh, here's a cute duck. Oh, and erotic dice for long-married couples. How how brand appropriate. But I feel, I honestly, this is an idea that I feel like you could have for Evil Inc., and I would happily help you develop this. You're, you're pitching this to me, so what would the dice say when you roll them, for so example? So you would roll it, and it would say, like, the first dice would say, like, your partner. You'd be like, yes, what's my partner? Your partner. And, like, the second dice is like, does the dishes for you? And you're like, oh, that's all I need. They're going to do the dishes. Whoa. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. Like the rolls are like extra nap, you know? Something yeah, like yeah, you yeah. can you can, you can skip having to pick up the kids. They'll do it for you. You're like, oh, thank God. I don't have to go drive. That's great. Get out of an argument free. Kind of like the Monopoly, <laughs> get out of jail dice. free. Yeah, get out of an argument for free. Hey, remember when I forgot to pay the taxes? Here we go. I'm going to roll the get out of the argument free. <laughs> But yeah. honestly, I feel like we should take this into a writer's room session for, you know how we do that for Patreon folks sometimes yeah. where we do yeah, a writer's yeah. room. Honestly, God, Brad, we could develop erotic dice for long married couples where it's like, uh, get the electric massager. Yes. And work on the knot in my shoulder. Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that would be fantastic. Help me calm down my sciatica. Whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> get get out the lube. Yes, yes. and <laughs> and work on the the uh, oil change in the car. You know, I, what's the <laughs> yeah, right exactly. word? A lube? Well, lube job. Who knows? But yeah, you, you, you work on the car. <laughs> And so on that note, on on the idea of working on the car, I'm going to say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics. And making a lube job from... Whoa! <laughs> making a, and making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, editor of webcomics.com and creator of Evil Inc. And I'm his friend Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's hour of comics advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, 
Let's talk about that quick starter. That quick starter is going on, my friend. We are in week two of uh, Brad and I and the Comic Lab Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, now, if you remember, because it's all about uh, friendship, it's yes. all about the focus on on a quality community coming together in friendship and <laughs> yeah, art. Uh, the URL for this is comiclabcashgrab.com because we <laughs> want to keep right. the focus on friendship. And with this quick starter, it's only a two-week kick- Kickstarter. And yes. uh, so it's a quick starter. Um, and this is where you get Brad's patented four right. C's of social media. The, the the four C's that are so good that we can never remember <laughs> what the actual four C's are. Except now when you get your magnet, you will be able to remember that those four C's are content, commercial, curation, and the fourth C of then the most best C of all, David kindness that's, that's right bradley right. that's right and uh lest you thought uh, cremation is not one of the four c's although in <laughs> the past a... we have called one of the four c's cremation by accident a couple uh, times it's felt like when it was one of the four c's <laughs> this is also this kickstarter is also your opportunity to get two of the comic lab exclusive pins yes we have the delightfully designed ask me about my so-so art pin mm-hmm. which is great and then we have the comic lab pin itself which is a great way at, co- at comic meetups comic cons uh art gallery gallery shows, all that sort of thing, to let other people know that you are a fellow Comic Labber listener out in the world. So you can get the Four C's Magnet, you can get the two Comic Lab pins, and then there's even the third option where you can get a specialized video greeting from Brad and I for your special event, a wedding anniversary, a party launch about something, a bar mitzvah, whatever's going on in your life, Brad and I can be there for you. But the most important thing is that Four C's Magnet over at ComicLabCashGrab.com. But Dave, before we go any further, we've got something really, really cool lined up for this show, uh, and, and, and I know you want to talk about it. Go ahead. We do indeed, my friend. We've got uh, one of our favorite cartoonists in the world. Keith Knight is going to be joining us on the show. So let me turn a button, hit a knob, or hit a knob, turn a button. I don't know. What am I? English. It's new to me. And welcome Keith Knight onto the show. <laughs> Well, Brad, I'm really excited uh, to welcome onto the show today uh, one of my favorite people in the world, Keith Knight, who ha- is hailing from... God, actually, now I don't even know where you're hailing from today. Are you still in South Carolina? North Carolina. North, North Carolina. Carolina. Don't mess that up, man. Don't mess that <laughs> That's up. That's a big distinction. <laughs> uh, both those states are important in the in the upcoming election, but North Carolina, absolutely. All right. So uh, where now, are you all on the coast or are you no, in the... No, we're, we're right in the middle, sort of north... Uh, sort of in the middle, north, and but closer to the Virginia border. So we we're in Chapel Hill. So Chapel Hill, uh, okay, yeah. So in all, in all of the time that I have wanted to know you at first, and those were years, and then came to know you, I have always associated you with a San Francisco vibe. Like you always had yeah. a coolness factor to you. That I wanted to like, I the nerd version of me wanted to have. Like, you made music, you were a performer, you were a cartoonist, you were a public speaker, but you also had this cool, like, uh, you knew better coffee shops and better music than I would ever know because you lived in San Francisco. So now, how did you go? How did you go from San Francisco to like, you know what, Chapel Hill? That's where I want to go to. Well. I mean, there was a stop in between. You know that, right? Los Angeles. Yeah, I do. Because yeah, you were here. You <laughs> yeah. were here for a while. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I was in San Francisco for 16 years, and my first intention in San Francisco was to be there for five years. I looked at it as my graduate school, and then I right. was going to move to Los Angeles and try to develop something for television. But I had such an amazing time in San Francisco that I stayed for 16. It was, it was like, like, I just found my place. and um, yeah. and. What happened was I was in a rent-controlled apartment, and I one of two remaining ones in San Francisco. <laughs> <Yeah. right>? Like, <laughs> but you know, I was in a really great situation. But I started to see, like, the band started. We started always playing with bad '70s cover bands, and like, oh. and we watched sort of the tech thing start to happen, and just everything start to change. And I, I just, I. I was like, it's time to leave. Like, I don't want to be the the angry, bitter San Franciscan that would be like, man, it used that it used to be cool back in the day. Like, just whine mm-hmm. about how everything's right. changed. So, um, you know, if there's one thing 
I'm good at, it's knowing when to leave the party. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, I mean, did you know in, in the time you were there, cause actually this is not uh, big on our discussion, but in the time you were there, it went from somewhat affordable to like an incredibly expensive city, like it, ridiculously expensive. Yeah. I, but I got out before it was ridiculously expensive. I left in 2007, 2008. Um, I think it was right. 2000. And then everything crashed, and um, and I think that's when they were begging all the tech companies to move downtown. And so they were giving them extremely uh, inexpensive, like all these great tax rates and everything. And so all these places moved from like outside from Santa Clara and San Jose. They all moved up to the city. And they started going around to apartments and showing up and Anybody who is a normal person would go for this apartment, but Google would show up and say, I'll give you $10,000 right now and just lock this down. And so they just did that all over the place, all over the city. And people Mm -hmm. just, yeah, people started leaving in droves. But um, yeah. Because one of the things I wanted to ask you was when you first got there, um, because my association now with Portland is that Portland's a very affordable city, big cartooning scene kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. What, when you first got to San Francisco, was there still a lot of young cartoonists bumping into one another and like, oh, hey, so-and-so's totally. doing this and you got to meet so-and-so? And, and Yeah, totally. When I arrived in San Francisco, it was 1990. It was just after the 89 earthquake. And if there's okay. a time to move to San Francisco, it's after a huge earthquake. <laughs> because a lot of people sell them. <laughs> it, it scares everybody away. Like, and yeah. you know, and and the lots of vacancies, everything's inexpensive. And yeah, I was able to move there and sort of put and I was living off of working part-time at a youth hostel and making zines and and that was it. Like you'd buy a giant burrito for whatever, $3. And you could have that for like two or three meals. And uh, <laughs> it was, it was great. Like, and, and it was such a user-friendly city. Uh, you mm-hmm. could just walk down the street. I just remember walking down the street and coming upon this club called the chameleon. And I just walked in and it was just, it was just like someone took their garage and made it really cool. It's like, man, I want to put on a show here. And I just went to the, the, the woman who ran it in this little booth up uh, up in the corner. And I said, can I put on a party here? And she's just like, yeah. And so I just put together, yeah, put on a party. And I don't know. I, I mean, I still think there may be places somewhere there. Maybe. I don't know, because I'm, I'm not familiar with the with the city that much anymore. But I feel that way here in, in North Carolina. I don't live in Chapel Hill. Proper. I live in this little town next to it called Carborough. And Carborough okay. is sort of like the hippie um, outside of, of Asheville. Carborough is where the artists and professors live. And it's right. got that type of vibe where you see something like, oh man, I want to put on a party here. And you walk in and say, I want to. Right. And then they're like, yeah, sure, put on a party. So um, it's very user friendly and it's a great place to raise kids um, outside of the bugs and the racism. But we see <laughs> and the racist so, bugs. So two small hiccups there. Just a, two, one small, one gigantic. Well, I, I, but yeah. I'm just telling. I'm telling you, like, and we we have seen this with the past three or four years that the racism is actually everywhere. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. uh, some places hide it better than others, and um, and you know, frankly, this is this is sort of all that pus uh, coming out of the 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 giant tumor that it's being squeezed out right now uh right. i wish there was a better way to describe it <laughs> but this is the ugly reality that we're living in you know yeah it's uh yeah yeah well because so uh i as as a way to leading up to your current project woke on hulu i want to talk about how one of the things that i admire about you as an artist is that you have basically lived three or four or five lives already as an artist in like very different parts of your life. And and maybe you'll disagree with this, but like to me, you are one of the last generation that was still doing the physical paper. Look at me. I'm handing out stuff. um, I'm like selling stuff from the trunk of your car, kind of a feeling, you know, kind of cartoonist. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you transitioned into, um, into syndication. You had that life. You transitioned into uh, um, talks and art-based talks. 
and now bringing uh, your comics and your creativity to to TV. Um, you have reinv- not reinvented yourself, but you have really well navigated changing waters in cartooning. And I'm wondering now, uh, right in this moment, um, could you like, if you as you look back on it, do, does one stage naturally lead to the other? Like, did did Keith know what? I don't want to say third person, but did Keith know what the next stage was, or was it all like? Just keeping at it, and whenever something hit, you kept going in that direction, kind of. A thing. I, I like speaking my, uh, about myself in the third person, so I'm going to start yeah, using. Okay. <laughs> <that>. yeah. <laughs> um, no, you know, um, it, it's really a combination of necessity, you know, like yeah, uh, just and just observing sort of what's going on, and and then making that move. Like I just have never. I just look to see what people are doing. What are people doing that works? And what are people that are doing well? And I just learned from that. So when I started, Mm -hmm. you're right. Like I still do pen and paper, but um, um, I, you know, I started out mailing stuff out the papers. It was that long ago. And, um, and then I was self syndicated. And then when I watched that start to go away, like I, I knew it was starting to go away. So I look to you guys, I look to you guys. When you put out that book about being a web cartoonist, like I, I studied that. I studied you guys. I like look to see what I could do that you guys do. And, and sort of that sort of carried me, to the point where um, something like Patreon came up. And um, Mm -hmm. I was just talking about this yesterday. There was a distinct moment because when you get into this business, you you look to your elders to learn from from them, right? So I remember going to uh, uh, an editorial cartoonist convention in DC. It was a huge thing. Lots of people were there. And I was just really excited to talk to all these, all these old guys and, and just, you know, hear about the craft. And the moment I walked into the lobby, they came to me and said, Keith, can you give us advice on how to, tr- we're all being fired and we're, we, we're wondering how <laughs> you do what you do. Yeah. I freaked out. I was like, oh my God, if they're coming to oh, me for advice, <laughs> the, the, the industry's in trouble. So, um, I, so I stopped listening to people 20 years older than me and started listening to people 20 years younger than me. And that was a yeah. huge thing. And, and I just remember a uh, cartoonist, I'm totally forgetting on her name. And she contacted me and she said, Keith, you should try Patreon. You should check out Patreon. And this is right when it started. This was like maybe 2012, 2013. And, um, and, you know, I just, no questions asked. I just went to Patreon and signed up and uh, I sat on it for a while. I didn't put together the page, but I just made sure I signed up. But then I saw, uh, somebody was making like nine grand a month on it. And I was just like, Oh, (laughs) and uh, so I, I, you know, with the cartoons that I do, I'm not going to make nine grand a month from it, but, um, but, you know, I was able to establish and I've always collected people's emails. I collected, you know, with the marginal profits, with all the cartoons I've ever done. Like I have emails from, you know, I'm sure none of them are are useful anymore, but uh, (laughs) I, I, I just, I've collected this, this mailing list. And whenever I jump to a new thing, you know, a bunch of people jump on with me and, um, and I don't, I'm not sure who, talks about sort of the 1000 fan thing, but, um, but that's a really legitimate thing. I believe that we all have in a, a, a world that has close to 8 billion people. We all have 1000 true fans. And if we find those fans, those people will give you $100 a year to continue to do what you do now. Not many of us find those thousand fans, but we we did, and they gave us. And you have to give them the opportunity to support you. So you do it through Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a calendar every year. I do at least one or two books a year. Um, I do prints. I go and and you know get hired to do these slideshow presentations and stuff like that. If you give them the opportunity to support you, 
they know that like it's worth it to have your art in the world and um right and so right. i've just been like i i may have found maybe 600 of them of the 1000 mm-hmm. and i haven't figured out the hundred dollars yet maybe 55 to 60 dollars <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but you're getting there I'm, you're uh, getting yeah. there Although, no, I, I got to say, though, Keith, I have been lucky enough to exhibit next to you at Comic-Cons, mm-hmm. and your fans love you, and you oh, have done a wonderful job you, of though. creating. The same you, though. No, no, no. Well, I, this is not about me. We're talking about you. I, uh, your fans love you, and you have done a wonderful job of, and this goes back to one of, the, one of the things I admire about you in terms of being able to swim in different waters that you've jumped through, like, three or four different careers. You have brought those people along with you. From your San Francisco days, from your India. By the way, that was an awesome clock or whatever that you was know, in the I'm background. Ma- I'm married that. to a German. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing cuckoo clock. Uh, anyway, but like you've done an amazing job of bringing those people along. And yeah. um, and that's what it, one of the things that I, uh, along with many things that I admire about you, but your ability to... to uh, even if you don't end up going down a path, you're constantly keeping your head on a swivel of like... Where can I bring my fandom next? Now I'm going to bring it to webcomics. Now I'm going to bring it to Patreon. Now I'm going to do this or that. And I remember conversations with you, I don't know, years back where you were like, uh, we would just be talking about what is this person doing? What are they What are they trying out? How is it working yeah. for them? How could you and I do this yeah. kind of a thing? And uh, it's one of the things that all those editorial cartoonists that now no longer have a job, one of the reasons they look to you is that you are keeping your head on a swivel and you are really good about adapting your cartooning career to like really different ways of making a living and um, yeah uh, it, no anyway I, that's just me complimenting you that's, well, all, that's no, all that I appreciate that but I, I I think it was I think I came to you because I would see you selling all these posters and I never sold prints before and I realized like at some point I just remember the first portrait I did which was I did it of Gil Scott Heron and and he um I just drew this really loose thing in my in my notebook and I was like oh my god like that that totally looks like him. <laughs> and like, I, I, I literally just, I, I, I copied it. And, and I said, this is not a comic. I, like, I don't even know what this is, but I'm going to make it. Right. And I'm going to put it in my comic and just have his lyrics behind him or whatever. And people loved it. Like, they were just like, do you have a print in this? Do you have a print in this? And so suddenly, you know, I had this new thing where, like, if, if there's someone I admire or I'm influenced by, um, in history or just currently i'll do if i can if if i can do a decent portrait of them because i'm not very good at doing port you know doing (laughs) characters or portraits or anything so but if i can somehow capture them in some way i will create that and 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 then i love looking for quotes that they say or different things like that and um and it suddenly became this this thing where like at SBX um, and Bethesda, I have teachers because it's September. I have all these teachers come and say, what are the new prints that you have? And they just buy tons of prints for not only themselves, but for other teachers at their school. And yeah, and it's just, it's just, you got to be open to trying this stuff. And, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But like, um, I mean, that's always been the struggle and, 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 but the joy of trying to figure it out. And, and I like how you sort of made the reference to selling stuff out of the trunk because I'm really influenced by hip hop um, and how like uh, back in the day, rappers used to hustle just like, and they still do it down at Venice Beach. They'll have like their CDs yeah. and stuff and just like trying to yes. put it in people's... S- slapping them yeah, as you go exactly, back. Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. I used to stand with a sandwich board um, at, at Golden Gate Park at every... Uh, concert, like every big concert event in the park, I'd be selling uh-uh, stuff there. Uh, yeah. Oh, Did yeah. You? Yeah. Um, people- because there's that scene. We'll get to Woke in a minute, but there's that scene. I, I think it's in the first or second show where you're, or episode where you are physically passing out flyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just, I, I was amazed because I know that that is probably true that you, young you, was like a physical hustler, like getting out there and physically doing the work, which is <laughs> that's more than I've ever done. And that's, that's My impressive as hell. And I- uh, went to New York once and I had a sandwich board on the subway and I was selling my comics <laughs> and I swear to you and and 
we had just gotten some some pot from this this editor of one of my newspapers, and he was connected to all these cannabis people, and so we were totally stoned out of our heads. And I swear, people must have thought we were um, undercover, like police or something, because we looked like such marks. We were like standing there stoned with with yeah with the sandwich board, and and, and people are just looking at us, and they're like, "What are you guys doing?" And the, the, the driver of the train comes out and he's like, what are you guys doing? I said, oh, I'm selling my comics. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'll buy one. And then he pulls out a 50. He goes, you have change for a 50? And we're like struggling going, like trying to figure out, like, do we, it was the weirdest <laughs> thing, but it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> and Side note, apparently train driver is the job you want to have. If you want I, to know, have a 50 I know, in your pocket. exactly. <laughs> uh, but, so like, you know, you, you know what you should have done is taken that fifty, punched a bunch of holes in it, handed it back to him, and say, "How do you like it?" <laughs> so, but you at Golden Gate Bridge, Golden Gate Park, would you? Park. Can I be? Can I be? Oh, Golden Gate Park. Sorry, like, not the bridge. Sorry, Golden Gate Park. You at Golden Gate Park? Uh, can I be naive for a second? Would you sell? Like, would it work? Would you go home and I'd be like, "Oh shit, oh, I made yeah, yeah. Today, no, right? I, I made would, it." I would sell stuff. Okay, uh, and and just going back to San Francisco again, back in the day, like one of the reasons why. You know, I know we're jumping forward. We haven't talked about woke yet, but one of the reasons why I knew that my work would translate well to live action is because mm-hmm. when I was first starting and I had some zines and different stores around the city, a German filmmaker came through and bought a few of my zines and wrote to me from Germany and asked if he could adapt three of my comics into a, a short film. And, um, I said, yeah, just don't spell my name wrong in the credits. Yeah, like, just make sure you spell it right. And, and <laughs> I, you know, I was just like very blow-offish. But a year later, at the Berlin and Beyond Film Festival at the Castro, there was a short, seven-minute short called Jetzt, um, Jetzt kommt ein Karton. And it was my, it was my comic. Uh, as a, and I was in the credit. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it was all German actors, and but he drew the background. So he had cartoony background, black and white backgrounds, and it it was it was funny, it, and it worked. And I, I at the last moment, I tried to get that film onto the television in one of the scenes in the show, but we, I, I it came together too late. But I'm going to try to do it in the second second season if, if we get a second yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's. Uh, uh, we keep pushing it up, but let me ask one last question before we jump into woke. Um, because the thing that that the question that that raises too is that one of the things I've always admired about you is that I don't know the best way to say it, but you are not afraid. Um, like, and so I would love for your advice for younger cartoonists because your attitude, at least from my perspective, has always been, you know what. Uh, my comics are great. You should try them. Hi, I'm Keith. You should try my comics. These yeah. are great. You should. And like, that's hard for a lot of artists. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of artists are like, hey, you know, you should. Yeah. Try yeah. My comics. They're and, you know, yeah. And so I can you speak for a minute to the 19, 20 year old cartoonist out there that's like trying to get to that place? Like, how did you get to there? Um, I, I just can't understand why people won't just have confidence in what they do. Like, like, if you show confidence in your work, other people will, will have confidence in your work. So like for me, I mean, as a cartoonist, it's you, you're out there by yourself, you know, it's such a solitary thing. So, um, and I've always been, I picked the worst, uh, worst job because I'm a, I like being around people. I enjoy interacting with people. And so to, do this thing by ourselves. And that's why, you know, that's why I do so many slideshows and presentations and stuff. But my advice is to, to the 19 and 20 year old cartoonist is to tell your story. And I'm not saying that everybody has to do auto bio cartoons, but if there's something that is in your life that is unique, that you think is unique to you, it's not unique to you. Like, but write about it. And you'll see that all these people are like totally into it. And so that's why I love it when people are doing comments about mental health or they're doing it about sex toys or they're doing it about, uh, I don't know, just some specific thing. Um, A gay hockey player like that is, you know, it's (laughs) it's such a specific thing, but it's a universal thing somehow, some way. And right. 
Right. And I, I totally respond to that. And um, I don't know. I just always felt confident in telling my stories. And, and that might go back to just, I grew up in a family of storytellers. Um, my dad's side of the family, they would just, I just remember being young and sitting downstairs in my uncle's basement. He had a bar down there. And everybody would just, they would use, you know, different accents and they would just tell these stories and you didn't know if they were totally true or not, you know, and, and that's <laughs> exactly what I do is like, you know, <laughs> never let the truth yeah. get in the way of a good story. That's, that's my philosophy. <laughs> right. And, um, Absolutely. and it just tell enough of that truth. Cause if you don't, if you don't tell your story, someone else is going to do it and they're going to get it wrong. And you're going to be angry about it. Yeah. And, and that yeah. was my same attitude yeah. with, with woke, which is I've seen so many people sell their stuff to Hollywood and then they don't have anything to do with yeah. it. And then Hollywood wrecks it. And then the people get all the creators are all mad. Like, Oh man, they Hollywood screwed it up. Blah, blah, blah. And for me, it was just important for me. Like if Hollywood was going to screw up my stuff, I wanted to be front and center. Like I wanted to see it being screwed up. Oh, okay. That's how they're screwing it up. <laughs> this is the moment that they're and, screwing it up. Yeah, exactly. Well, now speaking of that, let's talk about the road that took you to TV. Cause you said at the very top of the show uh, that you, you moved to LA for a short while to try to pitch TV. So I know this has been a long road Ta to take us along on that journey uh, of finally getting this, uh, yeah, this thing no, produced. So I moved from Massachusetts to San Francisco. I thought I was going to be there for five years, but I stayed there for 16. And then yeah. when it all started, you know, crashing down, I was like, okay, uh, Kirsten, let's move to Los Angeles. Let's, if this is the only way I'm going to be able to do comics anymore is if I develop it for television. So uh, we moved down there. I was defiantly San Francisco in the fact that I didn't have a car for the first three years mm. I was there. And um, so we spent a lot. Of, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. We spent a lot of time at home and um, and we had babies, which what do you do when you, you can't go anywhere? You have babies. And um, so and then I inherited a car that that uncle, that great uncle that I, I used to be in his basement, the bar, he passed and, and I inherited his car and drove it out to uh, L.A. And then I realized, like, that's it, like. That you really need a car because that's when I started, you know, going around and meeting producers and writers and actors and, and just a lot of different stuff. But I was just lucky enough to meet a producer that, um, you know, you just meet certain people and you just feel like, okay, this guy doesn't seem to be smoke blowing smoke yeah. up my, yeah. my behind. Yeah. And, uh, and he just looked like a, I mean, just, his work ethic was really good and, and he enjoyed my stories and yeah. And so I paired up with him and, you know, we just, he, he started working for Eric Christian Olson, um, his production company. He's an actor from NCIS LA and Eric Christian Olson, his dad is a retired professor of African-American literature. And so when Eric brought my stuff to him, his dad like pulled him aside, put his hand on his shoulders and said, son, this will be the most important TV show that you ever make in your life. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And uh, so once Eric said that, and Eric's like a very intense, like, like, yeah, we're going to get it done. Like he's like a, you know, like Tom Cruise, but less irritating. <laughs> you know, just like, um, and so once he, like once he was like, yeah, yeah. So he, he brought it to um, one of his best friends, uh, Will Gluck at Olive Bridge Production Company. Olive Bridge had a deal with Sony. So I, I now understand that if you win anything, like when you win anything, how people have to thank like 30 <laughs> different people because it, it, it went to a bigger, bigger production. Snowball, then, snowball, snowball. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Sony was like, yeah, let's, let's develop this. And, um, so I signed a deal with uh, Sony after I left Los Angeles, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, because so many people tell you not to leave LA. You don't know when it's going to happen. Like, don't leave now. Uh, success <laughs> could, could be, be right tomorrow. around the corner. Don't, keep, yeah, don't yeah. move. Don't move. Yeah. 
And then, like, 30 years later, he is still in L.A., like, uh, what happened? But, you know, this was another one of those leaving the party at the right time. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I, honest, I honestly, I just want to say, I honestly believe that people always say that they're going to leave, and they don't leave. And so I think when I left, my producers were like, oh, shit, really did leave. <laughs> like, like, I think they were shocked. Oh, and they, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in the sense that we, that we might lose this, this could slip away from us. I think they worked harder. I think they worked harder to to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, um, yeah, Cause, and because like timeline wise, I remember Brad and I, and and might have been before this, we had talked to you at a, a Patricon. Like, was it three years ago, Brad? Or yeah, three may, years ago. Maybe four in years fact, ago? they announced Hulu announced that they either. I think it was that they were making the pilot, mm-hmm. maybe. And not not the series. I think they were announcing the pilot right there. Yeah, but that was at pay, pay, uh, that happened at Patreon. Yeah, right, three years ago. And what I was getting at is, it's one of those stories like, oh yeah, overnight success, twenty years in the making. You know that kind of a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah I, on CNN, I called myself a thirty-year overnight success. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and because you had at that point, and are still doing it, but you you had been doing um, race relations and police brutality talks at both colleges and institutions and I think some museums too. Right. But yeah. yeah. But um, so like all of that was going on in the meantime, you're traveling around the country to give different talks. And at the mm-hmm. same time, are they calling you back to LA to help with different pitches or? Uh... Yeah. I mean, they, they basically Sony set us up with pitching all the top tier places. So Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, HBO, and Showtime. I think it was. And then if nothing happened there, we'd go to the next level. And then nothing happened there, we'd go to the next level. If nothing happened there, we'd be on the CW. Um, <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. But, um, <laughs> but we did. We never had to go away from that top level. Like, like yeah. Hulu was totally gung-ho about it. And, and you know, I will say this, and, and this is the thing, like, um, it Hollywood, when you go into those pitch meetings, it is super intimidating. You know, when you're walking down the hall, they have these giant posters of all their hits, right? Like yeah. everything's like, like Netflix is crazy intimidating. Mm-hmm. And, and before I would go into any of those um, things to pitch, I did this at Hulu too. Um, I, I totally remember being in the, in the garage at Hulu. I would bring, here's what, uh, it's right here, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I would bring with me in my car all, all my awards, and I would sit them on the dashboard in front of me, like, yeah. and, and just like every award that I have, and sit there and say, like, you know, you, what you do, they can't do. And they are inviting you because they need you and and you don't need them they need you and i would go in there <laughs> like with this giant ego and i also had this giant um i had my dark horse collection my 500 page dark horse collection and every yeah. every meeting i did this um and i would do the pitch with uh, marshall todd because they paired me up with an experienced writer and when the pitch was done i would stand up and i would Pull this 500 page, which was like a, a, a tele- an old telephone book. Yeah. And I would whip it up in the air and it would slam on the table. And I would sit there and go, there's your first 10 seasons. And then I would, wa- I would walk out. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to you, when we were shooting season one in Vancouver, the, well, the Hulu guy that was there mm-hmm. at that meeting um, that got, you know, it brought us to Hulu. Um, he said, he goes, I will always remember that moment is when you pulled out that, that book and chucked it up in the air and it slammed down. So, um, you know, there's something to be said about, <laughs> about like faking it uh, till you shit. make it. Like, just like, you know, uh, yeah. if, if you don't feel like you're confident, like, seriously, do you, <sighs> you know, faking that you're confident will get you in the White House. We're seeing that now. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, oh, isn't yeah. that true? <laughs> <laughs> like, fake it. I mean, he's going to fake it 
like he's he was faking it yesterday, standing there yeah. wheezing, trying yeah. to wheezing. Breathe. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's I, like don't fake it that much. <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah, that's a really sad thing. But I mean, there's something to be said about you know if you don't have confidence in your own work, like just. Don't talk yourself down. Don't say, oh, yeah, I'm not. Uh. It's just like, it's a, it's not good. Negative talk about yourself or your work is just BS. It's BS. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. Yeah, it's what's a glow and I in our in our marriage. A phrase that comes up a lot with our careers is that you got to make your own magic. Because mm-hmm. if you don't do it, who else is like who else cares about your career as much as you do? Yeah. And so you've got to you've got to make your own magic. Um, but that the fact that that five hundred page book was there though too is also like that's an opportunity meeting years, if not a decade, of preparation. You know, right. you put in the work and you were ready for that moment. Yeah, yeah. Which is like that's that's part of it. It's not that, it's not that you were making things up out of whole cloth in terms of like, you can do this, Keith, you can do this, Keith. It's that you would put in the work and you're just reminding yourself, no, they are. Look at this. Look at this damn five pound book. I made this book and this is decades of work. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's okay. So I keep going on the pitching. So uh, Hulu uh, picks it up. And now the fun thing about TV is, you know, we all have this image of how it's going to be and then how it actually comes to pass. Right. Yeah. And I don't want you, you don't necessarily have to throw anybody under the bus, but what were, what was a slightly younger Key's version of like what TV was going to be like versus actual production, actual writing, actual shooting, actual casting? Um, no, well, I gotta say, man, like even a year and a half ago or two years ago, if you were to tell me that my show would have the guy from New Girl the, the guy from Workaholics, mm-hmm. yeah. Sashir Zamata from SNL. Um, I had no idea who T-Murph was, and he is like, I mean, everybody's favorite character in it. And then Rose MacGyver from iZombie, and I would have Mo Marable, this like amazing uh, directing producer, and I would have Stanley Clark, the jazz musician, like doing the music for the show. And like, all of that is complete, like, it's far, my idea of what it would be, and I, I did a comic strip about it, was I thought, like, you know, I'd have some sleazy, low, low-end film company be like, all right, you know, like, uh, we lost all the funding, but we, if we add nudity <laughs> in it, we can sell it overseas, you know, something like that. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. So, some train wreck. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... It it was a dream come true. Um, I would say it was uh, it was a little harder um, trying to convince people that the idea of you know humor mixed with these very serious issues mixed with mm, right. animated talking <laughs> trash cans would work. Yeah, right. You know, so that was sort of. Uh, it, it took some convincing of people and we would never show a scene that with animation that was not finished. So, you know, we wouldn't show a scene of Lamorne talking to a trash can with like tape where the eyes would be and, and the right. guy behind it shaking it because it, it, it just doesn't, you know, no one's going to sit there and go, Oh, okay. That works. Yeah, you got to show them and I, I got to give credit to stupid buddy who did a great job. They do, you know, robot chicken and they do yeah. all sorts of animation. So not only do they do, you know, 
traditional 2D, but they do computer animation, they do puppetry and all that stuff. And I credit Maurice Marable, uh, Mo, the director, for coming in and saying, you know, the animation should not be 2D. It should be this 3D for like real objects and stuff. Because I think if it was 2D, it wouldn't have worked. I think it would have looked silly. And I think um, yeah. this, the way it is, provides this magical realism that is just, it's, it's, I, I, it's way better than I ever, you know, that's, I, I laugh. Yeah. Here's a theme that people have said to me all through my career. Whenever I did music, whenever I did comics, whenever I did, like, I went from, you know, uh, alternative weeklies to dailies to single panel, whatever, um, and to the TV show. The theme is, um, people would always say to me, um, it's way better than I thought it would be. <laughs> people have always said that to me. Way better than I thought. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and well, listen. not something not something you want to hear on your wedding night. You're like, hey, that was okay. That worked out all right. Much better than I thought it was going to be. Was, was, yeah, I, I invite you to trade places with me. I usually get exactly the opposite. It's, <laughs> yeah. That's way worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Brad gets the courtesy golf clap. Yeah, hey, you yeah. know what, Chip? Hey, you know what? That was okay. Uh, so, like, but for me watching it, I was so impressed by the production quality. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, the, the quality gorgeous. of the cinematography. Mm -hmm. the the b-roll shots around san francisco yeah. the quality of the animation um the casting was amazing by the way and note perfect yeah, yeah. and then uh, small details like uh i loved how just knowing you for years how uh the costuming for lamorne was so note perfect yeah. mm -hmm. uh for it was delightful to see like i don't know how much that translates to the world but for me it was really fun to see like sh shit keith would wear that hat that is actually a hat that keith would uh, wear this um, is you know they had these hats, and I tried to take one from the set uh, when, when the production was over. But uh, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, no, but I mean, the whole thing, it, it, it comes together great. And I'm realizing, and this is our fault as hosts, that we did not give you a chance to explain for folks that have not yet seen the show on Hulu. Like the, the the elevator pitch of what woke is about, where it's going, what the what the arc of the character is is experiencing, all that sort of stuff. If you want to give us a quick rundown, well, um, yeah, I mean it's based upon an incident that I had, and also Marshall, the co-writer of the pilot, had um, where he was profiled in Los Angeles, but I was profiled in San Francisco. I was hanging up posters for my band, and um, yeah, a cop came by, and and you know he was looking for somebody who was robbing houses in the neighborhood. And I fit the description, which was a six foot tall black male. And that was it. And so cops came in from all over the place. And it, it wasn't, you know, the show, you know, makes it far more dramatic than it actually was. But the thing that really stuck with me was my, my white roommate had jumped off a bus. Um, he saw what was going on, jumped off a bus and ran across the street at the cops and he was screaming and getting in their faces in a way that if he had been black or if he had been brown, he would have been tased. Beaten. Right. Like it just, it just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And so that to me was a huge, uh, like, just like, wow, that is the epitome of white privilege. Yeah. And it, it, it and it wasn't that I, I had already been doing, stuff about police brutality and, and racism before that but it really made me double and triple down like realizing i have to do more i have to do you know i have to increase the the amount of work that i do about these issues and so um so we use that incident to sort of create this this arc of this character and you know it's the character is inspired by me and it mm -hmm. would it and it just made more sense for him to be on the verge of making it big with this milk toast comic strip. You know, people ask me like, does milk and to uh, uh, toasted butter actually exist? And I, I was like, no, we made it up for the show. <laughs> and I feel like if it failed, I could launch a toasted butter strip. <laughs> you know? so, still hustling, still, still hustling. hustling. <laughs> That's great. But, uh, um, but, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I used that sort of idea of like this person's awakening. Um, and, and that's why the name of the character is Keith, K-E-E-F, uh, and not Keith, so we can differentiate between the characters. Right. But um, so that's, 
you know, that's true in it. Um, you know, obviously I had two roommates in San Francisco and I, I did hang up posters that uh, black people for rent posters in San Francisco. So uh-huh. I don't know if you uh, got to that, but um, that was a real incident that happened. And it did, it, wow. it never got to T-shirts and socks and everything. But, um, <laughs> no headbands, no wristbands. <laughs> no wristbands. But it, it was, there was some really interesting. I had a phone number on the poster and and it just went to vo- voicemail and I didn't want anyone to know whether it was real or not. So I just never answered right. any of those, those phone calls, but really like the truth was the most calls I got were from black people looking for work. And I, wow. I just, I, I, I that was ah. never expected that. That was like the thing ah. that yeah, came out of left field. But uh, yeah, just for the sake of my heart, how many, like there, one or no, two? There or... was like, like 25. Like there was a, a oh, lot. Shit. Yeah. Sorry, God, yeah. really? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it was insane. Uh. I, like it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere down in my basement, I have I I kept the tape that has all the voice. Of like the loop. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, one of my things I'd like to do is have a traveling art show of woke and um, and actually have the original. I still have the bar napkin where I I came up with the black people for rent uh, poster. So like all these little things, I'd love to have like a traveling show that goes from, I don't know, like the Cartoon Art Museum to, I don't know, like right, s- right. Uh, other things. But, you know, mm. in, a, in a post-COVID world, that's what I want to do. I want to Kevin Smith it. I want to <laughs> actually go on the road with like two episodes and, and then just have and then talk about it, you know, have a nice yeah. uh, conversation about it and tell stories. Yeah. And then are you uh, just so I can get the obviously things in the pandemic are shut down, but are you um, continuing to give uh, talks um, in, let's say, right before the pandemic started? Were you still doing talks up until then? I know you did one at Ohio State. Yeah, I'm doing them virtually now. Oh, you're doing virtually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So all the stuff, I mean, I thank goodness I did it, too. Um, So funny. I, I did the Library of Congress in February. Wow. Yeah, at name the be- dropper. I know. At the, at the beginning of the year, I was scheduled to do the Library of Congress. You know, we we're just about to shoot the first season. I got invited by my alma mater, um, Salem State University, to do the um, commencement in May. And I remember telling my wife, Kirsten, I'm like, and things are going like too well, like something bad's going to happen. <laughs> that's what i love about this clock is it doesn't matter what's going on in the house it goes off at the most perfect time like, it's like <laughs> life is loony life is loony um but uh so yeah no one anticipated obviously the world coming to an end but uh uh-huh. um but i had always considered think of doing the slideshow as a as a virtual slideshow and this just forced me to do it and and thankfully ohio state was like hey and you know it was right after the george floyd protests and right ohio state can you can you do it next week and i was like yeah sure and i just like was like oh man like let me put this thing together you know like a virtual how do i put a virtual version of it because there's a lot of I do a lot of storytelling. I move across the stage a lot. Yeah, yeah I do you're very a, engaging as a talk as a speaker. Yeah, and so it 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 took you know it takes a little bit. It's a it's a different vibe. Obviously, doing it, you know, uh, and you know, I have no pants on right now, and uh, <laughs> you know, just like it's a whole different thing. And right, but right, but I realize right. that like you know I can still like do you know. Uh, People say Lamorne does a really great job at capturing sort of what I do. And I realize that when I have a thing that I'm trying to say, my hands start going like this. And, <laughs> and he, he, he's got that down pretty well. And But the thing is, Lamorne and I sort of, we circle the same something because we're sort of uh, yeah. alike in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let me let me wrap up the conversation by asking you this, because I remember... Uh, when we talked to you, maybe this was even before that Patreon conversation, but in years past, you would talk about how like cartooning is changing and it's harder and harder and we got to figure out new and different ways. And now that the show is going, is it 
changing your approach to cartooning? Like, I'm going to start lessening it, or is it like, oh boy, this is now the juice to the cartooning that I can take it even to new places? Or like, where is cartooning now fit into your future or even your present, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's the basis for my stories, right? So, right. um, I, I, the K Chronicles is always, I always considered it a diary of like sort of the adventures that I've had. And when I see a strip, sometimes I'd be like, oh man, I forgot about, you know, that story. And, and it might be something that we could use. So I'll, I'll always continue to, to do the comic strips. Cause to me, it's a form of therapy. Like, I don't know what, if you don't have an outlet like going through all this, going through what's going on in the White House, going through what's going on in COVID and being stuck inside. We mm -hmm. are so lucky that we're, that we've done this, that we can sit there and take a, a pen and a piece of paper or, you know, or, or a Wacom tablet or whatever and create this stuff and channel our frustrations and our joys. So I'll always do the comic strips. It's been super busy doing lots and lots of press. So <laughs> I, I got to admit, there've been a lot of uh, reruns lately, but, <laughs> but a lot of people are just discovering my stuff for the first time. Yeah. So yeah. Right. like people are like, Oh my God. Like, you know, when I show some of my police brutality cartoons or all this stuff, they're like, Oh my God, where have you been all my life? And so I, I've been, <laughs> I've been here. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And so that's been, that's been a joy. And I, I've, you know, I, I'm I'm doing slideshows all over the place. I, I now am starting to have representation and you know booking that stuff. And um, but I want to take advantage of this time, this opening where I can walk into a, you know, a, one of these TV studios, and because I have a show, so like you automatically have a little more cachet in Hollywood. And I have like four or five other ideas that I would love to do. You know, I would love to mm -hmm. pursue. So um, this is, you know, this is hopefully the start of something. And I just feel like, you know, when this chance is over, I'll always be able to return to the cartoon. Right. You know, yeah. and, um, so. So now if we want to point people uh, in a direction, uh, a couple of them that come to mind, your Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash Keith Knight, and that's K-E-E-F-K-N-I-G-H-T. Yes, yes. And also kchronicles.com, that's where your everything is, and it's the letter K, then the word chronicles.com, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's where... You and will that have a list of upcoming talks as well, if we go to K Chronicles that... Or, or where could we find like, because I, I would love to point people towards your police brutality and race relations talk. Yeah. Like where, where could they find a list of like, Hey, I'm going to be appearing here or here or here. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why my brother-in-law is flying out for five days so we could just sort all this out. Um, it's been, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, no. That's not a place. No, where... I call, I... You're like, thanks Dave. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 it's, it's, it's been overwhelming. Like literally, the amount of press I've been doing has, you know, just, and, and you realize like, and there's some classes I'm, I'm, today I'm going to be speaking in a class, but it's not open to the public, you know? Um, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, there's things that are, are open to the public and there's things that aren't. And right now, none of the stuff that I have booked, I can put on my, my, um, calendar as like oh check this out i'm gonna be doing this but but that's gonna be coming soon um where it's gonna be open to the public um, gotcha. but yeah it's just been there's just been again so many orders so many requests and um and it's great it's it's great but i'm not that organized that that's the, that's <laughs> what i love about you dave and brad i'm sure you're you're probably the same way because you, you guys you know the you guys hang out, you probably do this, but just the fact that how organized you are, like how you, you know, take, do the comic and then it, it's laid into the format for the next book automatically. Like, 
Well, th- thank you. I, d- I don't know that that's true, but thank you for that. No. that I-, I love that if the camera were to pan over and like a bookshelf just falls behind me and then it's on fire. I'm like, yeah, no, everything's going great over here, Keith. Everything's yeah, working out real good. You told me how, I mean, you're so organized that you can actually get your books printed in China, like where it takes, like, it's going to come over, like, it, it It seems like it's clockwork. You you finished enough comics to put into the book and then it goes off and then it's printed and it's coming. Maybe I don't know if it, it, but that's what I got from from uh, hearing you talk or 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 or. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose uh, I actually think in in a lot of respects, Brad's better organized than I am at that. But we all, um, I have just enough of a Type A personality where I like to try to keep things into the little organized sets, but it's not, it's not it's not perfect at it. But um, but regardless. <laughs> I'm I'm so happy to see that your success in this moment is translating to a bunch of of people finding your books mm-hmm. and going to get your books over at uh, K Chronicles or if they got it through an independent bookstore or wherever they're getting it um because uh it is it is lovely to see a kind and talented person find uh the the wave of success that you always wanted for them like we, you always had an amazing career but it's so lovely to see someone really fire off in a way yeah. that you know now you're going stratospheric beyond all of us so that's it's it's i'm happy for you is i guess what i'm saying oh wow it's lovely to I, see. I really appreciate it and i just feel like uh you know this victory is for for all of us in the trenches like just you know cranking this stuff out and honestly like hollywood that's what they want is ip so if if there is advice that i would give to the 20 year olds is like you know keep the rights to your stuff and just keep yes. on cranking it out and that like when the opportunity arises like do not do not shy do not fade do not cower like stick your chest out and uh and and say hey take a look at this i think you're gonna like it yeah yeah well your entire career has been a great example for that and so Thank you, Keith, for coming on today. Everybody, uh, patreon.com slash Keith Knight, K-E-E-F Knight, uh, or kchronicles.com, or absolutely check out Woke on Hulu. Um, and uh, do it in the next couple of weeks, because I know if, if Hulu is anything like the networks that my wife works with, the next six to eight weeks are a big uh, determiner for them in terms of uh, second season, totally, right? Keith? Totally, so watch it. Definitely all the way go check it out. Only eight episodes, and yep, and watch it. Watch as many episodes in big chunks as you can because that kind of thing helps. So, uh, woke on Hulu and Keith Knight. Thank you, my friend. It is awesome to talk to you, and congratulations on your success. Thanks, fellas. Brad, I got to say, in that conversation with Keith, which, first of all, delightful just to catch up with him. I haven't seen him in a while, but also I realized that I used the phrase "make your own magic." And that yes. that could also be used in my erotic dice for long married couples. <laughs> That's right. You roll the dice. Your partner wants you to yes. make your own magic. <laughs> They're going to go watch the Hallmark Channel, so you'll be making your own magic. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, you know what? You know who else uh, makes a lot of magic? Don't that make w- this transition. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't make that transition that way. Brad, I'm going to warn you against it. All right, all right. Well, listen, then I got nothing. We're just going to have to say this show was brought to you in part by Wacom, makers of the incredible Wacom One. That's right. They've been uh, an incredible sponsor of Comic Lab all year long, and we are hugely thankful to our friends over at Wacom at WACOM.com. Brad and I have multiple units of uh, Wacoms and Cintiqs around the studio, and we are hugely thankful for their sponsorship and for the new Wacom One. Thank you, guys. And so on that note, you have been listening. What what am I doing? You're saying my lines. I'm saying Brad's bits. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Speaking of long-married couples, I'm now talking for (laughs) you, I guess. Your hosts have been my friend Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. They say you've been married for too long when you start to finish each other's sentences. (laughs) And my friend Dave Kellett, co-director of Stripped and cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com, and drive at drivecomic.com. And a huge thank you again to our guest today, Keith Knight, a uh, yes. delightful human being. And you can find him at patreon.com slash Keith Knight, K-E-E-F Knight. Uh, or you can uh, absolutely check out his new show, Woke on Hulu. Uh, yes. Delightful. And um, man, the production quality, the casting, the writing, uh, 
It is all fantastic. I'm so happy. Enjoyed it so much. You're, you're going to love it. And the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And Comic Lab is made possible by your support on Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. Holy cats, Dave, how come I never thought of doing a sandwich board? What a great idea. A sandwich board is I need a sandwich board. What would I I put on the front and what would I put on the back? Well, first of all, I hope there's clothes on underneath the sandwich board. You do know that, Brad, that it's not not alfresco under there, like in terms of what you would put on the front. What kind of sandwich is this? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to bite into this sandwich at all. Uh, no, the, the idea of a sandwich board is delightful, and uh, it, it, honest to God, is one of the greatest compliments I can I can give to Keith is that at every point in his career, I have looked on with admiration as he has literally done the work. Like, yeah. putting on a sandwich board and going out to sell your comics, that is like really getting out there and doing the work. Uh, and I, I don't even know... Here's the truth. I don't even know how to make a sandwich board. Do you just cut two bits of plywood and then get some rope? Is that what you no, do? It, well, yeah, you need something to hang it around your shoulders, but then you, you've got you've got to work about chafing and, and slivers and all that other stuff. You've got to put a little chafing. thought into Once this. Once again, Brad, put on pants. <laughs> That's what the people want from you. Chafing is not an issue when you wear pants to things. I know we're seven months into the pandemic, but in this in this scenario where you're wearing a wooden sandwich board, you're not giving getting slivers in your wiener. All right, you're going to be wearing pants. <laughs> I don't I don't think I like this idea anymore. <laughs> this is the this is the worst sandwich ever. <laughs>